All right. I want you to notice what it says in verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians 1. It says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope of our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our, and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. And what I want to preach this morning on is the subject of the, or the doctrine of election. Now, the good news is this has nothing to do with the 2024 election. So, but we are going to talk about the biblical doctrine of election and what does it mean to be elect? You know, are there different kinds of election or are they all one and the same? And I've been emphasizing for a long time the importance of the words of God and the scriptures that are the words that the scriptures uses versus the words of theologies and theologians and things like that. Uh, a lot of people are using words that are not in the Bible, and we've got to watch out for that. A lot of times that's where they kind of sneak in some false doctrine. But sometimes people will take words that are in the Bible, ones that aren't used that often, and then they will attach doctrines to those that are false. And we've got to make sure we watch out for that too. So it's like you hear about the doctrine of election, well, obviously that's a biblical doctrine because we see election in the Bible. But is the doctrine that they're describing, does it fit what we see in the Scriptures? Are they using the word election the way the Scriptures uses the word election? And that's very important. And, we'll fi- and we find out a lot of times they're not. And so it's very important when we use scriptural words that we use those words the way the Scriptures do. If we are using them to teach a scriptural concept. And a lot of times that does not happen. And so we're going to go, I want us to go through this word elect and election in the scriptures and see how God uses this word. And then, you know, we'll, we'll kind of compare it to the way some false teachers are using this word and see if it's scripturally appropriate what they're saying. So first off, the first time we see the word elect used, it's in Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42 verse 1, it says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, Mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And without a doubt, this prophecy right here is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. He is the elect. He is the one who God chose. He is the one who God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Like it mentions in whom my soul delighteth. He said, I will put my spirit upon him. Remember after the baptism of Christ, the Holy Spirit came and it descended like a dove and lighted upon him. That was Isaiah 42, literally being fulfilled 700 years later. Jesus was God's chosen. He was God's elect, but elect for what? Chosen for what? Okay, We don't just take a term like chosen or elect and just, you know, use it and, and not be specific about what they're chosen for. Now, in Isaiah 42, it's very clear that God chose Jesus to bring judgment to the Gentiles. God had been dealing only with Israel at that time, but when Jesus Christ came as Savior of the world, we see that the gospel that he preached, the message that Jesus brought, 
was something that after his death, burial, and resurrection, it was expanded to the entire world. And God used Jesus. And one of these days, Jesus is going to come back and he's literally going to judge the nations. God chose Jesus for that. God chose Jesus to be the ruler of the world. Now, one of these days, we believe according to Bible prophecy, the world is going to choose another man to be the ruler of the world. We call that man the Antichrist. But understand, while the world might choose somebody, while the world might even elect somebody, I don't know if they'll do a process like that, but either way, God didn't choose him. God chose Jesus. And one of these days, Jesus Christ will return and he will judge this world. So that word elect, it just means select, choose, or chosen one uh, or elect. So this reminds us of one of the mistakes people often make when they use Bible words is often they will describe things as a title. Like, you know, like the chosen ones or the chosen people. Again, that word chosen, if you do not add chosen for what, then it doesn't even matter. It actually means absolutely nothing. And so every time we see that word, there can be multiple chosen people in the Bible, but they're all chosen for different things. There can be multiple elect in the Bible. It doesn't always have to be referring to Jesus because God chose different people for different things. So they're all, they're all elect in a sense. And so in Isaiah 42... We're just seeing who God elected to bring judgment to the Gentiles, and that's Jesus. We see another elect in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 1. It says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. And so, first up, notice how Cyrus is referred to as anointed. Okay? The definition of anointed says so it's, it's usually a consecrated person as a king, priest, or saint. Or another word, you know what another word is for anointed? Messiah. That's another word for anointed. Messiah. So was Cyrus the Messiah? Um, well, he wasn't the Messiah. He was not anointed to bring salvation to the world. He was not anointed to be the high priest of all mankind. He wasn't anointed or chosen for that. But he was chosen to uh, basically have Israel be restored, to be a leader in the world during a specific time. And so for another a Messiah, you could say, or anointed one, how about King Saul? Was he not anointed? And so understand there's a lot of different ways we can use that word. And so Jesus obviously was the Messiah, was the Messiah, the one anointed to bring salvation. Not Cyrus, but let's read a little more of Isaiah 45. So I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name and the God of Israel for Jacob, my servant's sake and Israel, mine elect. I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. So notice that Israel here is referred to as the elect. And Israel was also elected by God or chosen, but chosen for what? A lot of people will talk about Israel like they are the chosen people, but chosen for what? It's got to mean, that has to mean something. They have to be chosen for something and to just call someone the chosen one without saying what they are chosen for, it shows some... Pretty interesting ignorance. 
And so, understand, God chose that the, and this is what God chose Israel for, God chose that the Messiah, the true Messiah, the Messiah who would bring salvation to the world, that He would come from Israel. That's what God chose. God chose them to be the people and the nation that God would raise up that seed that would all the nations of the world would be blessed by. And and so understand what God chose Israel for. Guess what? That service or that that purpose was served. It was fulfilled. It was completed. The Messiah came. God chose them to be the nation that uh, where he would put his temple he would give them a land that had a city where he would place his name and he would put that temple there. God would give them that priesthood. There would be the ones that would serve a purpose and that would do a work until the seed would come. And so without a doubt, Israel was chosen by God. They were chosen for something very special and they served their purpose. Israel was elected or chosen to be the nation that the elect or chosen one would come from. Isaiah 65, 1 says... I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all to stay unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon the altar of brick, which remain upon the graves and the lodge and the monuments, which each swine's flesh and broth of abominable things in their vessels, which say, stand by thyself, come not thou near me, for I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but will recompense, even recompense in their bosom. Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains and blasphemed me upon the hills. Therefore will I measure their former work into their own bosom. You say, those were God's chosen people? Yes, God chose them. To have them, that the Messiah would come from them. Even though God said, they make me mad all the time. They provoke me to anger. These people that have all this sin, they look at other people and then say, I am holier than thou. He said, these are a smoke in my nose. These people make me angry, but God had promised that he was going to accomplish something with these people. And so even though he wanted to destroy them many times, verse eight, they were chosen for something. Verse 8 says, Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one saith, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all. God said, There's something in these people that's good, that I want. And you know what that good thing is? It says, And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains, and mine elect shall inherit it. And my servants shall dwell there. You don't want to know what was in Jacob? You want to know what was in Israel? The promised seed, Jesus Christ. And eventually, Jesus, God kept His promise to Israel. God is not going to keep His promise to Israel, as many people say. God kept His promise to Israel and He preserved them until the seed should come. The seed came and He inherited all things. He inherited the land. He, uh, he did the work of redemption. He paid for all of the sins of the past and of the future. So all those who were of Israel, that were of faith, that were looking for a coming Messiah, guess what? God kept His promise to them. The Messiah came. They are in heaven today. 
and all of those who will believe on Christ and look back on what Jesus did and believe in His salvation that He paid for, they will be saved too. Because God kept His promise to Israel. The seed came, and that is what God chose them for. So in verse 22, it says, They shall not build another inhabit, they shall not plant another eat, for as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall along enjoy the work of their hands. And so again, we see that that, uh, Israel was elected to be the nation that the elect, Jesus Christ, would come from. And Jesus Christ, sure enough, came. So the reality is, too, there can be many elections. There can be many, many chosen. When we see those words, we must always identify what they were chosen, uh, who they were chosen by, and what they were chosen for. First Timothy 5.21 says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Elect angels. What, what are those? Because a lot of people try to take elect and just make it always one thing. Always one people. Or some will try to make it always Jesus. No. There's a, a, there's a lot of chosens out there. For example, and so there are, there's elect angels, there's chosen angels. I could say, for example, I would not be wrong if I said, y'all know my wife is the chosen one. My wife is the elect. And you say, that, that sounds kind of weird. Well, not if I clarify chosen by who and chosen for what. My wife was chosen by me to be my wife. Therefore, she is the elect. She is the chosen one. Chosen by me to be my wife. And so, again, every time we see a reference to chosen, chosen by whom, chosen for what? Every wife in here is the chosen one, is the elect for your husband. Chosen by your husband to be, to be his wife. Okay, so that, it's very important because everybody too, they're always just wanting to put this stamp on somebody. They're always wanting to make it mean one thing, and that's just not right. That doesn't make sense. Okay, Every politician, you could say, is the elect, but elected by whom and elected to what? We have a president who is elected by the Electoral College to be the president of the United States, as outlined in our Constitution. We have a governor who is elected by the people of the state of Illinois to be the governor. And therefore, he is the, the elect. We have elect the senators. So, again, everybody takes that word elect and chosen and acts like it's this exclusive title like for the Jews or something like that. That doesn't even make sense. And a lot of times, too, when you ask them, oh, I think they're the chosen people. Well, chosen for what? You know, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to not specify and to not clarify chosen by who and chosen for what? You know, and so you say, well, I, I don't recognize the president as the elect because I didn't elect him. Well, guess what? You personally don't choose who the president is. Again, it's the electoral college and there's a process that that, that goes to. So again, you know, it, it's all about, it's, you, we have to specify all of these things. And so anytime someone claims someone is elect or chosen, Check and see if they can tell you who they were chosen by, what they were chosen for. If they cannot answer those questions, 
understand you're talking to somebody who is just repeating a theologian. And they've not actually studied the scriptures. And so having said all this, understand, you know, I said I'm preaching about the doctrine of election. So if I'm preaching about the doctrine of election, that means I have to be specific about what I'm talking about. And so here's what I mainly want to talk about this morning is first off, who did God choose or elect for salvation? That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the election today, the doctrine of election or the elect. I believe that I am one of the elect. I believe that I am one of the election. So elected by who? By God. Elected for what? For salvation. Okay, so that's a pretty big claim right there. But how can I claim that? Well, I think if we study the doctrine of election, biblically, we can figure that out. I I do believe I am one of the elect. I believe I am one of the chosen ones. Are you bragging? No. Because you're going to find out too, when it comes to the doctrine of election, there's nothing to brag about. To get lifted up with pride because you are a chosen one shows you do not understand the doctrine of election at all. To, in anyone who would call themselves a chosen person and be lifted up in any way does not understand the Bible at all. But we're gonna, we'll, we'll show you exactly what the Bible says. About this, that now that because I am the elect, it doesn't mean I believe I'm the one that God chose to bring judgment to the Gentiles. God didn't elect me for that. God elected Jesus for that. God, God has not called me to that. God chose Jesus, and so I, just because I am the elect does not mean I get to go to the White House and say, biblically, I am the elect, therefore I'm the president. No, I was not elected by the Electoral College to be the president of the United States. So they're just going to laugh me out of there. Or not, I'm laughing. I'll probably get thrown in jail or something like that. It's just not, it's not going to work. So when it comes to who goes to heaven, the only one with the authority to make that decision, it's God. It's not up to a democracy. It's not up to what a majority of people think. It's not up to what our church thinks. It's not up to what an individual thinks. If it was up to a majority on who the elect was, then it would mean that only the good people, according to our human collective standard that we have, is going to heaven. And we all can't even agree on that, about what's considered good and, and what isn't. And so, this is, it, it's up to God. So back to, uh, in Isaiah 65, we saw too that the elect are God's people. And now, let's look at the next time the word elect is used in the Scripture. In Matthew 24, in verse 21, it says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time no nor ever shall be, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So this is the, we saw in Isaiah 65 that the elect were God's people. Okay? God's people are His elect. And in Matthew 24, it says that for the elect's sake, the days are going to be shortened. In verse 24, it says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Verse 31. And then he shall send his angels with the great sign of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, what's interesting, look at how Mark put it in Mark chapter 13, verse 20, talking about the same thing. It says, And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, hath he shortened the days. 
So it's very clear that the elect are those whom God's chosen. Okay? Who is the president-elect going to be after 2024? It's going to be who the people chose, who the voters have chosen. That's who the, and so understand the elect are those who God has chosen. They are his people. So without a doubt, God, the elect are God's people. And there's absolutely no way whatsoever to separate us from the elect that we see in the Gospels from the elect that we see in Paul's epistles. No one can take the Scriptures and make, make it out to be the, that the elect in the Gospels are a completely separate group from the elect we see in Paul's epistles. It can't be done. And in Romans 8.31, okay, and by the way, throughout Romans, Paul's been writing to Jews and Gentiles. And look what he says. What should we say then to the, these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. So in Romans, we and we went through Romans a while back, Paul has been, from chapters 1 through 8, explaining in great detail salvation and how it works. And he shows us how salvation, first off, it's available to all. Because we're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. Nobody deserves to be saved or the elect. Nobody deserves to be the chosen of God. However, we do see that those who are of faith, like Abraham, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. We see that God has chosen those of faith. Those are the elect. Those are the chosen, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Those who are of faith. And those who are of faith, the Bible says, we receive imputed righteousness. We see that God declares us righteous. And, we, and, and Romans 8 is probably one of the best uh, chapters proving eternal salvation. Proving you cannot in any way, shape, or form possibly lose your salvation. And that's why he says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Why did he say that? Because many would say, well, that person's not saved because they did this and this. No, it's God that justifies. So those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, those who have gone after the Spirit, meaning they have trusted in the, th- uh, in the things of the Spirit, rather than the things of the flesh to get them to heaven. Paul's saying, you can't lay anything to the charge. Uh, you can't charge these people with anything. Because it's God that justifieth. It's not man's works that justifieth. And again, we see in Romans, all we contributed to the cause is just faith. We just trusted in what Christ did for us. And the Bible says, we are the elect. That's what God was looking for. That's what God wanted. That is what God chose from the foundation of the world, God has chosen that those of faith, that they be the people of God, that they be the ones that He saves, that they be the ones that He will glorify someday, that He will resurrect at the last day. God chose that the people of faith, not people of flesh. Some people want to make being the chosen people being about a bloodline or an ethnicity. But Romans 9 and verse 6 says, For not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Because some people say, well, Israel is the elect. 
Okay, that, that's what people will say. And they'll even go to Isaiah, where it talked about Israel being elect. But wait a minute, did you not see what God said about these people? But did you all, and then show how what was good. God said, I'm going to destroy these people, or I would destroy them all, except there's something good in there. And what was it? It was Jesus Christ, who was of Israel. And we see that the things and the promises to Israel are preserved in Jesus Christ. He is the one who paid for Israel's sins. He is the one that paid for our sins. And so we are all preserved in Christ. It's not about an ethnicity. And so he goes on to say, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall they see be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted for the seed. God did not promise a physical group and ethnicity. That is why Christianity, okay, we are the most inclusive religion in all the world. We believe that Jesus died for all men. We do not believe that Christianity is a white man's religion or something like that. So Jesus paid for the sins of the world. He offers salvation freely to the entire world. And the people that God has chosen are not Americans. It's not an ethnicity. It's not a skin color. It's, do they have faith? God hasn't chosen the people like, well, how many sins did these people repent of? Or, you know, what kind of, you know, have, have they ever committed this sin? Or have they done this work? God does not care about those things because He paid for the sins of the whole world. So there aren't some people out there, well, I'm excluded because I, I committed this sin. No, Jesus paid for all sins. Well, I'm excluded because I come from this group of people that are really pagan and worship these false gods. No, He paid for the sins of the whole world whosoever will may come. The door, we talked about it Wednesday, the door to the house of God is wide open. Jesus has said, whosoever will may come. Whosoever is a thirst, let him come and take of the water of life freely. And I'm just going to give it to you. That's what he said. And, that, and, and so the people that God chose are those of faith. And understand, many people in Israel they had an idea that they were somehow superior above everybody else because they were God's people, not understanding. God did use them in a great way to bring in the Messiah. But their sins and their righteousness were as filthy rags, just like the Gentiles. And they, they, it was necessary for them to believe on the Messiah and to trust in Jesus Christ. And those who didn't, the Bible talks about how those branches were broken off. And so Paul is clarifying here and saying, listen, I don't want to get anybody to get the wrong idea to think that God didn't keep his promise to Israel, for they are not all Israel that are of Israel. The election are not an ethnic group, a people of a physical nation. The election are the people of God. And he says, and so we are clearly not chosen by birth or by bloodline. We are chosen uh, but what we are chosen by is by faith. That's what we are chosen by. And so how do we become His people? By faith. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, Galatians 4.28 Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. So let me tell you something about being the elect. It has nothing to do with works. That's why you can't brag about it. There's absolutely nothing to brag about. I can't go to anybody on this planet and look at them and be like, hey, you know what? I'm the elect and you're not. 
You know, because at the end of the day, it's like, well, guess what? I could be if I took the water of life. It's like, well, how'd you become the elect? Believed on Christ. I was a dirty, stinking, rotten sinner. I was on my way to hell. In my flesh dwells no good thing. I, I've got, but he loved me. And guess what? He loves them too. He died for them too. He paid for their sins too. The big question is, will they have faith? And you having faith is nothing to brag about. It really is. I mean, it's, it's just, it's survival. Okay. I mean, if I was, if you were dying in a burning building and you saw the fire department out there, are you, hopefully you're not going to be so embarrassed. You're not going to call out for help and let them know where you're at. You don't want them thinking there's nobody in the building and then, you know, not maybe doing something that they would have the ability to do if they knew you were there. No, you're going to let them know you're there. It's, it doesn't, it's, it's just survival. That's all it is. And the reality is those of us who put our faith and trust in Christ, it was just survival. We didn't want to go to hell. We didn't, we didn't want to do that. And we did, we just called on the Lord. That's nothing to brag about. And if I did, if I got rescued from a burning building, the last thing I'm going to do when, you know, if, if the news people are interviewing me, take away from the firemen who rescued me. He's like, well, you know what? They wouldn't have been able to rescue me if it hadn't been for my impressive scream that I did that got their attention. You know how ridiculous that would be? <laughs> After, you know, to brag and to think that, no, I earned the salvation that they gave me because I screamed and I let them pull me out of the building. That would be ridiculous. You know what I'm going to do? I'm like, man, I'm very thankful those people got me out of there because I, I would have died. I would have burned up had they, had they not done it. And so understand, we, we have absolutely nothing to brag about. In Romans uh, chapter 11, it says, even so then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. He was showing how, listen, don't get the wrong idea and think that God will not save Israel. Right now, there is a remnant of saved Israelites according to the election of grace. It's the election of grace, not the election of race, election of grace. And if, and look at this, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So Paul is showing how not all of physical Israel will inherit the promises, but the election, the chosen, those who were saved by grace, through faith, without works, they will receive the promises. And let me tell you, thank God for the thousands and thousands of Jews that were saved in the first century and that evangelized the entire world. God kept His promise to Israel. And God saved a remnant of those people and they did a great work. And, and we're here today because of that work that the election did. Those of faith, those who are saved by grace, but those who reject Christ, we see in Romans 11, He said they are an enemy of the Gospel. But if they are of faith, look, well, look at verse 28. As concerning the Gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. So, a Jew who rejects Christ, we see here, is an enemy of the Gospel. But if they are of faith, then they are beloved. And, he's, and you know what? He's saying, if God loves them, you better love them too. You better, you better love them too. 
And you know what? That goes for people who get saved. You know what? There are people in this world and in this country that you could say are our enemies. They stand against the things that we believe. There's false religions out there that stand against the things that we teach. There's groups out there that we might have problems with. But let me tell you something. If those people get saved, guess what? They are the elect now. They are the people of God. God loves them like He loves us, and we better love them too. It's like, wow, you, you used to be from this group. You used to, you know, oh, you're from England. You know, our founding fathers, our country, we fought a war against England. We hate you. You know, that no, doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if we used to have hostility as a people. You know, we've got race stuff that goes on in this country. That's ridiculous, first of all. But it's really ridiculous if we start dividing ourselves up by race amongst Christians. That doesn't even make sense to do that kind of thing. That's completely foreign to what the Scriptures take. Because all that matters is, are we elect? Are we in Christ? Have we been saved by grace through faith? And it's nothing to brag about. So our election was not based on our works, but God has called us as His elect, as His chosen. He has called on us to put on some good works as His elect. It says in Colossians 3, 9, Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, or Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So notice it, put on as the elect of God. We have to put on the new man. That's what we have been called to do as Christians. And there is no Greek, Jew nor Greek. You know, we've got Steve here that got saved. I'm not going to ask him like, hey, what, what his background is. Like, you know, what European nation are you from? You know, because, you know, I'm Irish, maybe he's Scottish, you know, we don't like each other, something like that. Are you Ireland or Northern Ireland? You know, we don't get caught up in that stuff. We don't worry about those things. They don't matter. We don't worry. Cub fan or Cardinal fan. You know, okay, listen. If, if, if we as a people want to fight about those things as Americans, that's fine. Okay? And some, some of it's fun and healthy, all right? I, I, I'm, all, I'm all for that. Okay? Any opportunity to take a shot at Packers fans? I heard they lost. All right? But, you know, just, you know, I like to do that kind of thing. I, I'm all for But at, at the end of the day, as Christians, as church, we should not have divisions based on these carnal things. We shouldn't have racial divisions, ethnic divisions, national divisions. It, it doesn't matter. It, it absolutely does not matter. What matters is, are you elect? Are you a faith? Are you, one of the, are you one of the chosen people? And you know how we find out if you're one of the chosen people? Have you put your faith in Christ? Are you, are you, have you put your faith in Christ to go to heaven or are you trusting in your works? If you're trusting in your works, you're not one of the chosen people. And it's not because your works aren't good enough. Okay? It's because you don't get to heaven by works. You might even be better than us in some ways. But guess what? God didn't choose those who are good or better than somebody else according to the law. We talked about that on Wednesday. Jesus said about John that there wasn't any man born of women that was better than John. And it's very clear from context. He said, if we're going to measure up people by the law, nobody's going to beat John the Baptist. But then he said, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean? Everyone 
who is in Christ, who has been washed in the blood of the Lamb, is better than the best person according to the law. But who gets the credit for that? Jesus gets the credit for that. Not us. So, a theme in the Bible that we often miss is how since the fall of man, God has been looking for a people. God wants to dwell with men. God wants a relationship with men. We see this going back to Cain and Abel. Why did God choose Abel over Cain? The Calvinists act like it's a mystery. We have no idea why. No, it's not a mystery anymore. It used to be a mystery. It used to be a mystery why God chose Abraham. It used to be a mystery why God chose Isaac over Esau. These things used to be a mystery. But with the New Testament, God revealed these things to us. Why did God choose Abel over Cain? Because Abel had faith. We see God choosing people in the Old Testament ultimately to be the one that the seed or his elect would come from. And God chose or elected Abraham. God chose and elected Isaac and then Jacob or Israel. And God spared a remnant of Israel in spite of all their sin. And God raised up a man, Jesus, who would be the one to bring righteousness to the world and and a people who would be under him. They would be the people of God. Those who are under Christ. And so it was God's plan from the foundation of the world. God had elected. God had chosen from the foundation of the world. And I don't even have time to go into all of this. All the scriptures on this. We'll hit one. God chose that His people would not be a people who came from a specific bloodline or a people who achieved a certain... Uh, level of works, but it would, God chose from the foundation of the world that His people would be a people who are cleansed and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered abroad throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So notice that these elect according to the foreknowledge of God. We have people out there teaching that the foreknowledge of God, it's about God always knew and God chose certain individuals to be saved and some not to be saved. And we have no idea who He's chosen nor why He chose them. That's wrong. God did, in fact, have foreknowledge of who would be the chosen in the sense of God chose that it would be a people of faith. In God's foreknowledge, God chose that that those who are saved be people who are washed in the blood of the Lamb, who were saved by His Son, Jesus Christ. God chose that from the foundation of the world. But that is not a mystery anymore. God has revealed that to us. God has also revealed who would be saved. And it is the people of faith. Now, there are some who are out there teaching that, you know, God might have chose Avery for salvation and chose Allie for damnation. We don't know. We can't know. 
So I don't like that. You know, Allie's my daughter. I don't want her to have damnation. Who are you to say anything against the potter? Wait, no. What you just quoted there, that's from Romans 9. That was God saying that He chose a spiritual over a physical. And in Romans 10 and 11, it shows that the physical can become the spiritual if they will abide not still in unbelief. So understand, because God has revealed what His plan was from the beginning, and that was to save people of faith by His Son, Jesus Christ, you know what that's going to make me do? That's going to make me look at Avery and Allie and look and say, listen, you need to believe on Christ. You need to put your faith and trust in Christ. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Christ, He'll cleanse you from all your sins and you will be saved because that is what God elected. That is what God chose. And and the, the doctrine of election in no way teaches that there are some individuals out there excluded and for sure going to get damnation. No, the Bible is clear. The blood of Christ, it, it, it was for the entire world. Jesus died for the sins of the entire world and whosoever will may come. We can't make anybody come. We can't make anybody. But if we can, if we can get people to believe the gospel, if they will have faith, they will become the elect because God elected that those of faith, not people of a certain bloodline. God elected through His foreknowledge the sanctification of the Spirit through unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. God always knew it was going to go to the cross. God knew that from the foundation of the world and we see evidence of that in Genesis chapter 3 at the fall of man where God prophesied about the seed of a woman that would bruise the head of Satan. God always knew how it was, it was going to go down. And you know what? There was, all, there was always going to be a choice. We see a choice when God put that tree in, uh, of, not, of the knowledge of good and evil and man chose to take of that fruit. It is a choice that people must make. But at the end of the day, the, those who, be, who become saved are those who put their faith in trust in Christ, not people who achieve some work of righteousness. So the, being the elect is nothing to brag about unless we just want to brag on Jesus. If you want to brag on Jesus, that's appropriate. You know what? Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus. We can, we can brag on Christ all day long. We can praise Him. We can glorify Him. We see in the book of Revelation, we're going to be doing that one of these days. The multitudes are all going to be praising Him. Why? Because when we get to heaven, it will not be a mystery at all. And it's not a mystery now. Why we are there, we are there because of him. And maybe right now it, it takes some faith to believe that. We we don't fully understand everything. We just believe what the Bible says about it. But I promise you this when we get to heaven and when we see Christ and we behold him in his righteousness and we know what we have done and what in our life, we will have no doubt we are there by his mercy. He didn't have to save us, but he did save us. He chose to come to this earth and to die and pay for our sins. And thank God, thank God for that. And so this doctrine of the election, what, is that, what does that mean? I believe I am the elect. I, I believe that I am one of the people that God chose for salvation. Why did He, cho- why did he choose me for salvation? Well, it's be mainly because God chose from the foundation of the world his son, Jesus Christ, that he would be the savior of the world. And all who follow him, all who believe on him, they will be saved. And they will be 
the chosen. And so, it's nothing to brag about. I don't go around calling myself the chosen, one of the chosen, or anything like that. That would be ridiculous. But you know what I will do? I'll go around talking about Jesus all day long. We'll talk, I, you know what I call myself? I just call myself a Christian. It means I'm a follower of Christ. Because He was the elect. He was the one that did everything. And so that do, hopefully this helps you understand that doctrine of election and what a wonderful teaching it is. And hopefully uh, it will cause us to just go out and try to reach more people so they can be the elect too. We want them to have what we have. And it is. It's free and we can go out and tell it to whoever, whoever we want. And so with that, let's pray to our Lord. We thank you so much for this wonderful doctrine. We thank you for this wonderful salvation, this eternal salvation that you have given us. It's overwhelming to think about. But Lord, uh, it is what your scripture teaches. And Lord, if there's one here that they don't know for sure if they're saved, maybe they've been depending on their works. Help them to uh, swallow that uh, great sin of pride and just understand that it is. It's just faith in you. We can never be good enough, but Lord, you do love us that much and you, you did that work for us. And I pray that uh, we'll continue spreading this message far and wide uh, to whosoever will. And we'll see many people saved as a result. In your name we pray. Amen.